Welcome back once again to our Film Nerds podcast series on zombies. I'm your host, Matt Scalisi, and with us once again is our guest programmer for this series, Sean Hode. Who Hello. Is, Sean is an uh, uh, instructor of English at the University of Alabama, where he teaches a class on zombies. Uh, in the first episode of this series, kind of gave an overview of the zombie genre, uh, and last week we took a look at uh, the issue of race as it's been dealt with in in zombie films today we're going to take another uh another approach we're going to look at the idea of zombies as cannibals and and what what kind of statements are made by that by that fact that we sort of take for granted in zombie films the idea that that zombies are human bodies eating other human bodies so Sean, this this is uh, as you mentioned in the first podcast this this idea of zombies as cannibals really was not part of the zombie archetype <laughs> until Night of the Living Dead, um, and, and you know, th- this and it was put of, in there purely to gross people out. Sure, really, just a, and, a production decision, yeah. Right, and get them to watch the movie, which it did. <laughs> and you know, so so this idea really of you know a cannibalistic monster again, as you as we talked about in the first podcast, we've we've had vampires, we've had uh, you know the I guess werewolves are slightly cannibalistic in a way um you know certainly the sort of uh the people people were aware of these sort of savage uh tribes uh that that you know that were cannibals and i think probably probably the uh prevalence of that was misrepresented at a certain (laughs) point in history but it wasn't really until romero that we had this this idea of the risen dead eating the living. What what made Romero's use of this idea uh, unique to 1968? Why hadn't anybody thought of it yet? And and you know what made it what made it really stick out to people back in the 60s? Well, um, you have to remember that 1968 was when the rating system first started. So you could have <laughs> anything you wanted in movies. Really, you could have cursing, of course. You could have nudity. You could have uh, actual pornography, and you could have um, you know violence or simulated violence and if you can if you can have it people are going to do it uh before too long i guess and um the what romero did was he to you know he went to a um you know a butcher and got some pig guts and intestines and stuff and that's what you see the see the ghouls eating in night of the living dead by the way uh they were sitting out there all night under the lights and everything and they went bad and people everybody got really sick i'm, I'm uh, sure they me. did yeah yeah, because uh, they're uncooked, obviously. Um, so even if they weren't eating actual human entrails, it was still pretty pretty disgusting. But no, the idea—that's no easy sorry. task either as an actor. To I mean, it's not human, but I, it would be tough for me if I were asked to just eat some raw uh, animal. Yeah, parts. yeah. I know. Here's a liver. Eat this raw. I don't see that. Uh, <laughs> uh, they do have, as people who have seen the movie though. They do go through it to it with gusto. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, the. Cannibalism, the idea has been around for a long time, and a lot of times used as, actually, to terrify enemies. If you resist us, we will not only beat you, 
you know, uh, we will not only defeat you, but we will eat you. We will make the ultimate insult upon your person, right? We will actually, you know, ingest you. Uh, and then you really will be one of us. So it was used, I think, uh, primarily not for, not for nutrition, um, but for, for, uh, for terrifying enemies in combat, especially with people in the jungle and things like that. And, uh, tribal cannibalism is ritual, ritual cannibalism, but not really, I'm going to eat this because I'm hungry for human flesh or organs. But the zombie is completely different. The zombie, that's what it wants to eat. It's going to kill you, eat your organs, and then to add insult to injury, which may be the most horrifying part, you are then going to get up and crave whatever uh, human flesh or brains and, and eat that and make other people eat it. <laughs> so Which you're is, not only going to be eaten, but then you're going to want to eat, and it's the most disgusting thing really people can can think of. Right. I mean, that's that's been a, a fear that's been expressed in other sort of uh, in other films, really, but in you know in in literature, it's it's almost like the worst thing that you could ever be reduced to as a living person is to have to eat another person. We've seen in that the movie Alive, I think it's called about the the mm -hmm. plane crash. You know, it's. That was the shock of that movie. Is that's that's the absolute worst thing you could ever have to do as a human being is eat another person. Yeah, I mean it's it's something that you would only do in the most dire, no choice of circumstances. And even then, some people wouldn't do it. They would rather die than do that. Right. Uh, they um. So so he had a lot to 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 work with there. It was already scary. You know the idea of these people coming and they're gonna and this isn't even people. You can't surrender to a zombie. The zombies aren't like another tribe fighting your tribe. You can't surrender, so please don't eat us. The zombie, if they get you, they're going to eat you. And then you are going to do the same thing. Right. It sort of seems like the the standard surrender in a zombie movie is to shoot yourself in the head, which is not a great – it's not a great surrender option. Right. right. Uh, it's funny though because then they lose interest in you. Right. <laughs> they don't really eat you. They don't really want to eat you at that point. I, you're not fresh. I don't know. Uh, I think the the point is that it's not – it's not horrifying anymore. Um, what they would do uh, when there are stories of actual cannibalism, what they would do is uh, they would um, take a person and amputate his legs and or arms uh, or genitals or whatever, and they would cook it and eat it in front of him or her, usually him. Um, and that to them, you know, that's the most horrifying thing to see yourself getting eaten like that. So obviously, uh, as, as you mentioned, what, what sort of made it uh, – what sort of made it happen when it happened in in Night of the Living Dead was uh, this idea that uh, the standards in in film production were being changed, and that the sort of limitations to what could be done in films was was being removed. It was it was it was at least the the you know it was at least being opened up a little bit. Um, right or yeah, and and they they did what they what they would do to let's get some attention. Sure, and and uh, and so obviously the, there's this sort of very very surface um, shock value of of cannibalism on film, and it's something that I mean every zombie film has taken full right. advantage of it, and and really Romero as he has gone on, you you see more and more extended and more and more graphic uh, scenes <laughs> of cannibalism to where it's it's down to it's down to. Uh, almost this weird art of, of watching who can make the best scene of someone being ripped apart and yeah. eaten. Um, I mean, the special effects have come so far. You're not using pig guts anymore, you know? 
Right. Even even between, uh, you know, j- just in the last 24 hours, by the way, I've rewatched Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead. And it's it sort of struck me how how much advancement took place. And those two films were not made tremendously far apart. I think uh, Dawn, of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead was 78 and, and uh, Day of the Dead's 85, I believe. Uh, right. and, you know, and you have you have really in in Day of the Dead, one of the one of the more impressive dismemberments I've ever seen where. Uh, Captain Rhodes. Uh, yeah, there, there's a guy that's he's actually screaming. Uh, I mean, I'm sure that was a sound effect added later. He's he's screaming, and and uh, the zombies start to pull his body apart. And you think, well, we've got this this actor laying under the table with his head sticking up, and then the head gets removed <laughs> while the eyes and the mouth are still moving. And uh, and it's not until then really that you realize that it's a it's an animatronic head. Uh, that's just just. Uh, if you want to, and when you're watching it, you're not thinking, "Oh, that's an animatronic head." You're like, "Oh my god, they're ripping that guy apart!" <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, but it has it has become a little bit of a of a sport to zombie film lovers to see. Okay, where's that where's that big money shot in this zombie film of the guy getting ripped apart right. in in a well lit shot? Right. Well, yeah. In 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 Day of the Dead, as you say, I mean, the the climax of the entire movie and, and the money shot, like you say. Um, is is Captain Rhodes, the, the villain of the piece, getting ripped apart and watches his legs get dragged away, uh, and he's going to of course get eaten. And he has and uh, choke on him. But, yeah, and he, that was a, that was an ad libbed line. Was it really? Yeah, he ad libbed that. He said, "Choke on him," you know, and uh, <laughs> and it was great. And they 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 loved it. Um, it. Was funny though. It was quite a risk for him to do that because I mean they didn't have the budget to do that whole special effect again, but it fit perfectly with the character. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but the thing is that zombies, um, you know, we talk about the cannibalism, which is something that can be simulated, you know, fairly easily in film, right? You can just use, you know, animal parts. I mean, eating meat is different from cannibalism, but it's not that different. Um, and so you've, you've got that. But also zombies, as I said, I think in the last podcast or the, or the first one, are the, are the perfect movie creatures because they do instead of think, right? Well, they're also perfect because they're kind of a blank slate and you can put, you know, like we said in the racing, you can put whatever qualities you want onto them. You know, you can put, Oh, this, these are, these represent uh, racial things. There's represent sexual things or family things. We'll talk about another, another episode, I think, but also we should not forget that zombie movies are intensely popular. As you probably know, among, uh, among, uh, like low budget filmmakers, but even even no budget college filmmakers, because zombies they they don't have to be played by actors. I mean, you, you walk around and you moan and you you have makeup and basically the makeup does the acting. Uh, maybe you eat a raw pig liver or something, <laughs> and you you know so that's why there have been so many crappy zombie movies. Sure, because it, it does it doesn't take a lot of talent, as you said. I mean, uh, th- that's the big challenge uh for a for you know any sort of filmmaker uh is is creating a performance that recreates uh, a realistic sort of human experience that that you've got someone on screen that's appearing to really and truly experience something as a human being well zombies aren't aren't enjoying the human experience they are uh there's there's no uh as you said there's no motivation there's no need for that actor to uh genuinely recreate any kind of condition other than uh this this sort of idea that that they are lumbering forward looking for food and that's that's really that doesn't require any talent 
Right. Uh, it, it doesn't. And it's, but it's, but, but they, of course it's scary. Zombies are coming at you. But what's really, really scary is, um, that, that the, the people, it's the people who are going to, who are going to cause the problem. You know, if you have an impenetrable zombie, uh, you know, anti-zombie fortress, well, it's only impenetrable if the people inside all get along and nobody opens it up. You know, uh, if somebody gets uh, PO'd at somebody else and opens it up and lets zombies in, which is exactly what happens in Day of the Dead, well, then you're, you're screwed. And uh, so it's the people that are scary. And, and I think the, the really low-budget, uh, no-thought zombie movies, they forget that. They, they, they go, oh, well, we'll show zombies chewing on people. That gets old after a little while. Um, but cannibalism never really gets old. And, and in 1985, the same year as Day of the Dead, actually within weeks of its release, um, this movie called Return of the Living Dead came out, which was actually made by some of the people... Uh, Dan O'Bannon, I think John Russo had something to do with it that had to do with the Night of the Living Dead movie. And uh, in fact, they got sued because of the Living Dead, uh, you know, using the Living Dead title. And it's not an, it's not actually a sequel to Night of the Living Dead um, officially. But anyway, that's one where you first have, I'm talking 1985, okay? So the first zombie movie was in 1932. Um, you have the idea that zombies want to eat brains. Everybody now, oh, what does a zombie want? Brains. What does it want to eat? Brains, right? And it's a, it's a great joke. You know, I, you finally want you know, someone who loves you for your brain. Ha ha, right? But it's, it's uh, actually very new, and it's from that movie, which is, I think, a terrible movie. But um, it was incredibly influential because it's like, wow, well, if they're going to eat you, that's terrible. But what if they eat what makes you you, your brain? They want to eat your brain. That's even more horrifying. And there's and there's really another uh, interesting sort of contradiction that comes about from that uh, in the idea that uh, as as we know as we've sort of established in some of these Romero films you know he always has kind of a scientist explaining whatever it is that they think is going on um, and, and and the sort of established reasoning the established science behind the Romero zombies is there's some kind of impulse in their brain. Uh, that remains there that's driving them to do what they're doing and basically that if you destroy the brain you've you've stopped the zombie um, now this idea that you mentioned that comes about in return of the living dead that that zombies would eat the brains um, it, it's almost counterintuitive because you know if if the idea if what what creates the zombie apocalypse is the idea that that the disease spreads then zombies destroying perfectly good brains wouldn't seem to really help their cause. Talk, talk a little about this, this sort of uh, contradiction there. Right. If the power of the zombie is that zombieism is infectious, I bite you, you become a zombie, you bite two friends and all that stuff, um, then the, and the only way that you can kill a zombie is by destroying or damaging the brain, well, having the, zombie, the zombie's motivation to eat the brain doesn't make any sense. It would be self-defeating. The zombies would... They'd bite a person, you'd become a zombie, they'd eat his brain, that would be it. You know? Um, there would be no spread of the zombie menace or whatever, and that's not very fun. However, it really does speak to people having, you know, the brain, you know, someone eating your brain, which makes you you, as we say. Um, so, so why do that? Why have that? Uh, if, it's, if it's a contradiction, then you should you should probably let it go, right? Even if it's even if it really is is scary that someone would eat your brain. But what they did in, uh, in Return of the Living Dead, they did a couple of really clever things, and I think it made 
the whole eating brain thing catch on, even though it doesn't make any uh, consistent sense with the Romero zombie idea. Uh, one of them, in uh, people who have seen the movie will know this, is that they they have a zombie <laughs> explain uh, why they want to eat brains. And um, why they want to eat brains is because it's the only thing that takes away the pain of being dead. Now, if you're dead and you're really dead, not a zombie dead, then you uh, you don't feel any pain being dead. But if you're a reanimate if you're a reanimate uh, dead person, a zombie, then apparently there's terrible pain associated with it, and eating brains is the only thing that gets rid of that. So that was pretty clever, considering what a crappy movie it was. <laughs> well, at least yeah, it gives you some reasoning behind that there. Right, gives you reason behind it. So that that was good, and also. They made it uh, the zombie uh, infestation. They did it through a chemical spill rather than actual zombie to zombie uh, infection. People got in, in uh, people got contaminated by the chemicals, and then they became zombies. Or, or I mean, I'm sorry, excuse me. They got contaminated by the chemicals, and dead people, you know, were it soaked in the graveyard, and they came up right, uh, and then they ate the living, but the living did not become zombies. But all the dead people became zombies. Then at the end of that movie, not to have a spoiler, but uh, the end of that movie, they nuke they nuke the place to get rid of it, and all it ends up doing is throwing all the zombie chemicals up into the air into a storm system, and it's gonna you know the implication is it's gonna have a huge rain, and everywhere it rains, wherever there's graveyards, which is everywhere, the dead are gonna rise up and start to eat the living. So, so it's 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 it, that movie is consistent at least, but it doesn't really. It doesn't really fit in with the with the Romero zombie idea. Um, however, the idea of a cannibal that eats your brain to me is even scarier than a cannibal that eats your just your body. Because of the association, as you said, with with sort of identity and and really, I guess what some people would almost call the soul as being right. from your brain. Right, right. It's uh, it's 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 definitely uh, something that some cannibalistic tribes do. They they would eat the brains of their conquered enemies, and that would inspire even more terror. You know, uh, you know, letting oh they're the ones to eat your brain when you die, and of course that led to a disease called kuru, which is this uh, shaking they call it laughing disease actually or laughing sickness, and you would die of it. And what it really was was a version a human version of mad cow. Sure, yeah. And you know, so if you're a zombie and you're already dead, you don't really care if you get mad cow, right? But but people becoming insane or you know uh, the laughing thing, uh, maybe that's uh, something that that subconsciously people who know about that you know they see in the Return of the Living Dead eating the brains they see madness and 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 horror coming from that. So it all really ties together in a in a, a really effective way, but only in that that zombie world. In the in the Romero zombie world, it's it's their brains are no different than any other part of the body. In fact, it doesn't really make sense to eat brains for nutrition, quote, quote, anyway, because um, the brain is rather small. It's three pounds or so, and it's prote- the best protected part of the body. Right. It would just be a, it would just be a huge pain for your, for your zombie teeth to try to get to that. Right. Considering your gums are dead and your, 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 your teeth are probably going to fall out anyway. Um, yeah, it's, it, you know, but if it's the only thing that will relieve your pain, if you're going with the return of the living dead 85 idea, then it's perfectly consistent. Well, you would do that because eating a, eating the flesh doesn't help. Eating the brain helps. 
Right, and it's a it's an interesting idea of, of sort of as we mentioned it it this this need for them to to eat despite the fact that uh, that it doesn't as we said as it wouldn't help the spread because because of in the Romero world the brain having a, a function in the zombies. Uh, I want to I want to return briefly to that Romero universe and talk about uh, Dawn of the Dead, which is. Uh, we're we're going to touch on in probably every podcast in this series. Sure, but, it is the zombie movie, right? I mean, it's we're gonna we're gonna consistently come back to it, I'm sure. But I, I think there's you know that that's a movie that everyone uh, always points to the idea of consumerism uh, and mm-hmm. the the idea of the the zombies returning to the ultimate altar of consumerism, the the shopping mall. And I think there's there's something interesting about uh, the the connection there between uh, the zombies sort of need to to be constantly eating that they're to be constantly consuming that that's their only motivation uh and and the connection there to the american walmart shopper uh, right. that's that's being drawn back to the mall talk about that a little sean sure well that's the kind that's kind of the gag if you will right um is that is that you you have them they're consumers but they're consumers because they're cannibals they're consuming people uh but it also reflects on People who are still people, not zombies, and that they are consumers. They may not be uh, cannibals, but they constantly consume, consume, consume. What's the difference? Is there a difference? Um, lives are being wasted either way, if you think about it. And my friend and colleague and zombie expert, Kim Paffenroth, um, says, he points out uh, that in Dante's Inferno, hell, one, one of the worst punishments in hell isn't that you're burning or you're freezing it's that you're you are doomed to repeat the same mistakes you made in life again and again and again eternally so we have people who maybe wasted their lives in the shopping mall when they were alive and now that they're dead you know come back to life but dead they for eternity will just keep going around the mall in fact at the end of dawn of the dead You've got you've got the the very happy zombies um, shopping eternally, never never to stop and never to actually be satiated, and that's a huge commentary on uh, on you know American and really with our influence on the world world society. Sure, and and I think you know as you point out the the living humans really are find themselves. Uh, drawn to the mall as well because they have to keep consuming as well uh, they they have to find some some way to uh, you know obviously to feed themselves but they um you know they they go yeah they get caught up in they get caught up in the you know being in the department store and i think there's there's a couple scenes where they're they're looking at all the watches they have uh, <laughs> all this just all the stuff they could have at the mall as if any of that would matter at this point right well they and they dis- they finally discuss themselves and realize that they have to they have to get out of there that's why they finally have to they really have to leave the mall um or you know are making plans to leave the mall because um they're they're not they're not living as humans anymore they're living they're no better than the zombies and uh and and that's very powerful and and you see you see all of the human all the living characters succumb to that uh at some point or another even even um uh Franc- francine who uh 
who is saying it's disgusting that they've got the watches and they're playing poker with all this money they got out of the bank. You know, money doesn't mean anything. But even she puts on the makeup and, and you know, looks at herself in the mirror and all this stuff with the fancy clothes. And, and when, uh, when Flyboy uh, proposes to her, in fact, in Dawn of the Dead with this huge diamond ring that he got out of the jewelry store, you know, she's like, uh, I can't. It wouldn't be real. You know, if you don't, if you, if there's no cost to anything, if you can just shop, 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 then, then it's, it's, it really isn't real. Right. You know, and it's, it's very powerful, you know. I mean, some people have, have knocked, and I think appropriately, um, Dawn of the Dead 78 for its, its dialogue being a little bit too much on the nose, as they say. Uh, a little too much exactly what they mean is what they say. But it's, it's really, um, it's really, again, it's really effective for, uh, for for people who are looking at it in, in a sort of in an existential kind of philosophical way, well, it makes it more. I think it what it does is point people in the right direction for the conversation Romero wants people to have. Like you said, I, I think some people feel like maybe the comment uh, that he makes early in the movie of you know this place was important to them that maybe that comment isn't necessarily uh, needed uh, in the film to to make that point anyway. But you know, I think I think what Romero as you mentioned, I think what he's doing is he's trying to make it a little more explicit in this film uh, and try to right. try to you know intentionally make people discuss those issues as opposed to <laughs> just being focused on the zombie apocalypse that's happening. Right, and I think people who see Dawn of the Dead for the first time now they're kind of like, oh well, uh, not that they don't enjoy it, but they're kind of like, oh, I thought this was like a, a gore free for all, and really, it's quite philosophical. Sure, this and and uh, and Day of the Dead as well. You mentioned it's a it's a talky movie. It's talky, yeah. I think he took. I think he sort of uh, Romero probably heard some of the praise he was getting from the the intellectual types of of Night of the Living Dead, and he he you know people appreciating uh, some of the subtext of that. And I think he 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 wanted to uh, to use more of that in Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's like he's like any other person who. Who considers himself or herself an artist? You know, you're, you you might be you know you might be grateful that there's um, that people are enjoying your monster movie or whatever. But you usually you become a you become an artist because you want to say something. And he and and he did. He said, "I'm going to take this. I'm going to take this chance and actually say something." Well, Sean, thanks once again for uh, for joining us for this podcast series, and we'll have another one next week for everybody. Episode four. Uh, so make sure to tune in for that. And Sean, thanks again for, uh, for joining us for the series. Thank you. 